Good morning and welcome to the Removing Confusion podcast. I'm Tom Richardson. I'm your host. It's October the 8th, 2020. What a year it's been. It seems almost like time is flying by because I don't even remember where September went. It was that quick, it seemed. We know that there's 24 hours in a day. As far as I know, that hasn't changed. But it certainly feels like things are speeding up. And I know that there's some prophecy teachers out there, and there's some good ones who say that towards the end, things will kind of seem quick. Things will happen with rapidity that we can't even grasp the last thing that happened and something else comes along and tries to steal our joy. Christian, that's who I'm talking to. Non-Christian as well, hopefully. But Christian, we have to hold on to our joy. We will have persecutions of different and varying strains all through our Christian walk. And friends, it is a walk. It's not, it's not a sprint. It's like a marathon. Once you decide to do it and you take that first step forward, there's no turning back. You don't get the medal at the end unless you finish. Paul wrote many times about finishing the race, doing well. We all want to win. The one thing about this marathon is no matter what position you come in, as long as you come in and cross that finish line, following through and going forward, you're a winner. I've run several marathons myself. I always got a a medal, but I never got one that said you won. I usually came in dead last somewhere. I did it because it was something I wanted to try. Trying it once wasn't enough. I had to do it again. Lost all my toenails. But let's just look at some of the things that are going on around us today. A couple of days ago, there was a vice presidential debate here in the United States. Many people across the world watched this thing. Uh, In China, when our vice president decided to bring them up, and and castigate them as they should be, of course, they blocked that out. There is proof of that, that they censored, and they do a lot of censoring of things, censoring of uh, Facebook and social media postings. People have to, under that regime over there, live under a... A social, what do they call it? A social score of some sort where, you know, they they put together a score, a, a social credit score where they can determine a number. And if your number isn't high enough, you don't get to ride the train because you can't get a train pass or a bus pass or buy or sell. What's that sound like? Now, they haven't taken the mark of the beast, of course, but it's a setup. It's coming. Things are happening fast. Now, I want to talk just a bit, and I don't do a lot of uh, 
political commentary because there's enough of it out there. But when it gets so into your soul that you got to just let it out, and hopefully I can let it out and be done with it. We watched both debates that they've had so far here in 2020, the one with the presidential uh, candidate of the nom- uh, Democrat nominee and uh, President Trump. And we watched with Senator Harris and Vice President Bi- um Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Mike, Vice President Pence. I thought that it was a little bit more of a decorum debate between the uh, the vice presidents, or the candidate to be vice president and the vice president. You know, there's a lot of talk out there of, you know, he interrupted her, he did this, he did that, and, you know, she did this, she did that, it, it, and that's always going to be. If you watched it, you make your own decisions of who did what and why they did it and how they did it. When it came right down to it at the end, and I haven't got any of the statistics in front of me, but from what has been reported, they came out almost with equal time. But yet they made him out to be an ogre who who just went in there and vilified this young girl. In this day and age, we have raised such a plethora of sissies. They started this thing 20 or so years ago, maybe 30 even, where the kids would get together for a soccer game. And no score. We don't keep score now. We don't want them to feel like they came in second place or whatever. Look, you win or you lose. The winner is always the guy who comes out on top. When you have a boxing match, and I don't really watch boxing, but you know, I, I have in the past, you know, you have a winner. You know, even if both guys make it to the end standing up. They're bloodied and beaten. There are judges that sit on the side, and sometimes I think they're a little skewed, but there's judges that sat on the side and judged the hits and the, the knockdowns and this and that and the other thing. Or in the other case, where a guy would just go over and smack somebody and he drops like a, a ton of bricks. There's a winner. There's a loser. What a loser lear- learns when they lose something, like we'll say in this debate, she didn't win. She didn't win the hearts and minds of those people who have critical thinking. What we have is a, a winner and a loser. The loser learns from losing. Trust me, I've lost a lot of games of things that I've played. Uh, I liked soccer. I, I lost a lot of those games. Uh, you know, if you're Whatever you whatever you do that's competitive, when you lose, you learn something. You learn, first of all, that the other guy trained harder than you did or that there's a weakness within you that you need to strengthen. Our nation is on a, is on a roller coaster track towards losing, losing it, our our superpower, if you want to use that word, identity. In the, in the ancient days, and I'm talking about way back before the time of Christ even, uh, the 
birth of Christ. We have the book of Jeremiah, which is followed by the book of Lamentations. Why was Jeremiah lamenting? Because he tried to tell the people. Isaiah tried to tell the people that there is a reckoning day coming. If we don't swing our way back to God as we were instructed from the days of Moses, now I'm talking about Israel, we will pay a price. God is long-suffering. God will give us grace if we turn back to him. Even in the book of Joshua, that famous Joshua 7.14, where he says, you know, though, you know what it said. I, I'd have to look it up because I'm, I'm, I'm on a roll. <laughs> As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And if we turn from our wicked ways and, and call out to God, he will heal our land. Not just our land, he will heal our people from their sinful ways. This nation, although we can still say it's probably more Christian than most, has fallen by the wayside. Some of the things that calls itself Christianity just barely could even be considered that 30 years ago. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I'll tell you right now, I know churches and individual denominations, you'll have some really good solid ones. And then you'll have a whole mess of them that, you know, do what you want. You're saved. Go ahead. It's okay. God doesn't care if you sin. He knows you're a sinner. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Yes, I am, but I'm going to tell you something. He still is looking for you to grow and walk with him. And that means walk with God. I get in more trouble when I say that to certain people or around certain people or preach a message such as this. They want to have Jesus, but they want to do all the things that the world does. You can't mix the two. The, what you feed the most is what you will become. If you feed yourself with the world, you will become worldly. If you feed yourself with the Bible, you will become biblical. And you'll be, you, it's not legalism. It's not works related. It's what we, God expects from us. Our churches are dying. They're anemic. They're bleeding out because we want to come in and act holy two or three times a week. And then the rest of the week, we just let everything go to hell. You can't do it. There are consequences. Israel, in the days of Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, they were given mandates from God. Now, we aren't, we aren't under the law. But when we go back to where we want to play with the sin nature of man, we fall back under that law. There are consequences for our sins. Paul wrote over and over again about sins that God will not just wink at and say, it's okay, you're under the blood. Okay, oh no, Tom's legalistic. Tom's a, a Torah teacher or what? No, I'm not. I'm not trying to take anybody's salvation away from them. 
That's between you and the Lord. But what we had here in Jeremiah's day was a nation that was taken captive. But they were warned. The Babylonians were coming for them. But they were warned. Why did it happen? They went, they went through 70 jubilees, and it takes 50 years to get to a jubilee, where they just didn't do what God told them to do. He allowed them 70 times 50 years of monkeying around. And it was figured out by Daniel down the road that, that Jeremiah had written that they would go away for 70 years because he, God only allowed or laid on them one year of captivity for every jubilee that they skipped. We're not going to go into the whole jubilee thing. That's a, a teaching for a long period of time. I do want to go and and. And just read, you know, if you read Lamentations, it's it's an interesting and wonderful little book. It's five five chapters long. It flows with that that prose that that the the ancients would use. I'm sorry. Yeah, five chapters long. Smack dab in the middle of uh, well, not in the middle. I'm. I'm really worked up a little bit, I guess. <laughs> the people would look and say, why is this happening to us? We do it today. Why is this happening to us? Things that typically happen are because we live in a world that has fallen, a world that is broken, and it's an ugly place to be for most of us. Jeremiah is writing lamentations and he's lamenting. He's he's crying out. He's he's you know he's he's talking about this horrible thing that's happened. Their tabernacle's been ripped down, or the temple, you know, it's it's going to be ripped to pieces by these Babylonians. They took everything that was in it captive, including the people. It says, the Lord was an enemy. He hath swallowed up Israel. He hath swallowed up all her palaces. He hath destroyed her strongholds and hath increased in the daughter of Judah mourning and lamentation. America, wake up. We aren't Israel. And I'm not a... Israel replacement theology, you know, America replaces Israel or the church replaces Israel. Israel has its own place in God's heart. But I'm going to tell you right now, we need to wake up or this lamentation will be something we're doing. We're going to be sitting there going, why did God do this? But smack dab in the middle of this book, somewhere around in chapter three, you find that it's all about faith. No matter what, even with all the horrible things that happen, and, and what Jeremiah wrote about, and, it, and a lot of the horrible things happened to him personally, you know, he comes back to God. 
Not that he left, but he comes back in his writing to explain why did this happen. I've scattered through 16 minutes, and I, I like to only use 15, so I'm sorry. We're going to end right here, and we'll put up another. I'm going to go forth, forth and further with this thing just a little bit because I think it bears and needs to be delved into a little bit deeper. Thank you for listening. This is Tom Richardson with the Removing Confusion podcast. Until next time, it's October the 8th, 2020. What a year it's been. Good day.